This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. How's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosberg. And I am Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding The Woman King. The new epic film starring Viola Davis is now playing in theaters across the country and will be the subject of our conversation today. Also on today's show will be a recap of the Gig Harbor Film Festival, which took place this past weekend. We hope you stick around for that, but first a quick break. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Juan Carlos, and I am the host of the Revisionary Podcast. And I'm producer Phil. I make them sound good. If you've never heard of the Revisionary Podcast, the way it works is we bring on guests, usually comedians, to tell a nonfiction story about their lives in which they wish things had gone a little bit differently. And we give them the opportunity to retell that story, in which they can change any facts or details they want. Then we'll discuss the impact of those changes on their story. We're happy to announce we're now on the Chatter Network. And make sure you check out the Revisionary Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we get started, we quickly wanted to remind you that if you feel what we do here on Excuse the Intermission holds value, we are live on Patreon. You can support the show by becoming either an associate producer at the cost of just $3 a month or an executive producer at the cost of $8 a month. And in return, we'll be treated to all kinds of bonus content, including a monthly newsletter, video chats with us, early releases on new podcasts, and a monthly bonus episode the most recent of which is a recommendation pod where Max and I list off 10 horror films available to stream right now on Tubi for free. We really enjoy creating extra content, so please consider subscribing. All right, so we're back, and we are at full strength once again. Yes. Grant, we missed you last week on our TV special. I missed you guys. We know that you would have loved to have been oh, here. Oh, man. I, that was such a bummer of an episode to miss. Well, and we didn't we didn't <laughs> put any words in your mouth. I listened back and, you know, we didn't really speak for you at all. So yeah. maybe if you wanted to reacquaint yourself with the microphone by briefly giving yeah. us your thoughts on Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Yeah, no, it feels good to be back, back in the chair with you guys. Um, yeah, so... Obviously, I'm sure you guys mentioned because I unfortunately I haven't had the why I missed last week. I've just been so busy. I haven't had time to sit down and listen to your guys' thoughts. So I'm I'm excited to get these out and then go back. What are we chopped living? I want you can't throw us on. While I want I want to give you the quality time you deserve. <laughs> I don't want to just like do it in passing when I can't focus. I want to I want to listen, Max. Yeah, yeah. I gotta gotta let your voice you know it's slow. Jay. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't too excited about Rings of Power when it was coming out just because I am not 
huge into Lord of the Rings. I enjoy the films anytime they're on or I have an opportunity to watch them. I will. I'm not one to like dive into the Cimmerillion and like really get in to Lord of the Rings. I read the books, enjoyed them. Great movies. Well-deserved of all the acclaim. I've all just always been like more Star Wars and, you know, that that lore. And then on also Game of Thrones. So I'm I was way more excited about the new installment in the world of Westeros of House of Dragon. Um, Rings of Power, the first two episodes that we saw in the theater, loved them. Got me hooked. I, I was ready to watch episode three. And then I watched episode three, and I was like, I am i can't wait for House of Dragon. I can't wait for that new episode of House of Dragon. So I, I have yet to catch up on Rings of Power just because House of Dragon is just knocking it out of the park for me. So to go back to your Lord of the Rings stance, your current stance right yeah. now, what percentage would you equate that to, to from going from the big screen as we were in the fir- for the first mm-hmm. two episodes? Because I think we knew that there was going to be some drop off trying yeah. to watch it at home. So do you think that some of the just the spectacle of it all helped wear it off? Or do you actually think yeah. that there was like a precipitous drop in I th- quality or in story and or just, you know, kind of the pacing that we maybe had in the first two episodes wasn't there? What do you I, chalk it up to? Well, for yeah, I think, well, the pacing in episode three definitely was different because, I mean, there's no dwarves, you know, and that was kind of my favorite part of episode two was Elrond going to the dwarven kingdom and with Durin and all that. Like, that was my favorite part of the episode. I was very excited about that. So not getting that, and but like fleshing out like where Gladriel and the guy, I don't even forget what the guy's name is. Um, and like where they are, like I, I did think the pacing was like a, a little odd, but it is a huge step down from getting, you know, introduced to this on the big screen in this huge world that we've only seen really on the big screen, you know, and like it deserves to be there. So I think I would probably be way more excited about it if I could pay 15 bucks a week and just go watch the new episode up on a big screen somewhere. I think, I think our fan screening event was kind of maybe a test run of, of how successful that could potentially be of, uh, you know, a production company making exclusive deals with a chain of theaters. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think that did have a lot to do with it of going from the big screen to the home screen where Game of Thrones, that's all we've ever known. It's always lived there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, am absolutely obsessed with Game of Thrones. I've read all the books. I've I've read Fire and Blood. I've read Night of the Seven Kingdoms. I have a coffee table book, and every time a new episode of House of Dragon comes out, I bust it out, and I have the Targaryen family lineage on there, and so I can just follow along. And, and even having read the books and knowing kind of what is going to happen, there's still so much juxtaposition to explore, and they're already kind of changing small minor things that work more effectively. Um, so even though I kind of like know what the end result is, and I think this kind of goes hand in hand with both of these shows being prequels and kind of the weight it takes away of it's a prequel. We know what can and can't happen. So the, it takes away a lot of weight and threats for a lot of characters. You know, we, we know in House of Dragon, all of these characters are dead when we watch Game of Thrones. So like, what is the real like weight of this? The Jon Snow show is going to be obviously a different story. We have no idea where that's going to go and, and what that's going to bring to the table. But with that hand in hand, House of Dragon, I'm still glued to the screen. I think I've watched every episode twice, except for the one that did the most recent one. I've only seen once, but it's it's just fantastic. And I love the casting. Patty Constantine is as great as the series. Uh, Millie Alcrook is young. Daenerys, I, uh, Darcy, something it just took over as not Daenerys. I'm sorry, Rhaenyra. The the time jump we just met the older Rhaenyra so I don't know there's just something about this world that I'm just like you can do anything and I'm like I'm going back and rewatching Game of Thrones now and I'm getting to those later seasons that were like terrible they're not that bad because <laughs> it's Game of Thrones it's still good 
Yeah, I've been preaching that for a while that season eight, everyone says it went off the rails. Yeah. Maybe in the last two episodes. I mean, but I, you still got a pretty quality season prior to it's that. It's still, it's still rushed, but there's like, there's still great, great scenes. The long night, I still have a, a complaint with that. It was one episode, but that, that moment of when Podrick is singing Jenny of Old Stone, it's just cutting to all the groups of like, they're all like mentally getting ready for what's about to happen. I'm like, this is TV at its finest. Like, this is eight year, like 10 years of buildup of mm. getting attached to these characters. This is amazing. And I think that's one thing that this, that House of Dragons does, or the Game of Thrones world does, is we're four episodes on this, and I'm already like getting attached to these characters and finding out everything about their families. Where Rings of Power for me is just kind of like, it's just there. I'm, it's all surface level. I'm just given, you know, taking what you're giving me, and I'm not really like, getting into these these characters as much yeah it's tough because some of the biggest characters in rings of power i think suffer from what you were talking about with the suspension of wonderment we already know that our principal characters of elrond and durin and galadriel we know where their character arc is going now how it gets there sure they might be put into peril but right. we know they're not going to die. Yeah, you know, and, during this series, and so the prequel like shows, and I think this kind of is a little bit of falter. Is like it doesn't really like open the door to new viewers because it's there for the fans. It's like okay, like we're just going to show you how some of this came out. I don't think I don't think anyone's going to watch House of Dragon and start there. If you if you're not introduced to the world, you're going to go back and watch Game of Thrones first because you know that because. I feel like that's just how it, it, these these work. Same with Rings of Power. I don't think you're going to start there. You're going to go watch the movies if you've never seen them. And if you haven't, get out from the rock that you're living under and go watch those movies. <laughs> All right. So switching gears a tad, but still sticking to the epic and the sword and the sandal genre. The Woman King opened two weeks ago on September 16th and is directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. The film tells an inspired story of 18th and 19th century Africa that boasts its fair share of tremendous action, self-discovery, adversity, and triumph. To date, The Woman King has grossed $36.2 million domestically and has added another $1.3 million internationally while also playing in Brazil, only South America there, um, but a total that you'd certainly see expect to see rise if the movie receives a true international release. The film currently sits at 3.9 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd and is receiving all sorts of critical acclaim. So before we get into spoiler territory, let's quickly talk about how many boxes that this film checks and why we think that those who have seen it are responding so positively to it. Not only is this a return to form for the epic movie model, but it is, of course, a cast made up of primarily black actors. So I'm curious if y'all felt the importance of this movie while watching it both genre-wise and in a representation sense. This is an amazingly incredible film because it checks all the boxes on all those things. It The representation is f- phenomenal. I mean, we, there's no movie like this. There, This is like a huge epic installment in what I walked out of the theater. I was like, this is an instant Hollywood classic immediately of what it does film wise, like story wise, take, take the representation out and don't focus on that and just look at it from a film standpoint. Incredible. Then you add the weight and the importance of what that does for the world, not just America, but the the world, you know, people in Africa that are going to see this people all over the world. It's, it's, it's insane. Like I was constantly, constantly inspired and kind of like, 
you you don't want to be taken out of a film when you're watching it. But I had moments where I was like, I like I could just think of what this movie is going to do for a lot of people. And I just had a smile on my face the whole time. Like it is such a cool film. Yeah. Yeah. Film wise, it, it's such a throwback. Uh, I feel like as far as uh, its structure, its scale, the fact that everything is pretty much done in camera. Uh, it's extremely choreographed. Like the choreography is, is extremely done, well done. Um, but then on top of all that, it's a story that's never, ever been fucking told, never, ever been represented on, on screens before. Um, you know, and God, I, I don't know why. I mean, we all know why it's taken so long, but it's a shame that it's taken so long because it is, it's so fantastic and it's going to mean so much, uh, to so many people. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an exciting, exciting movie to watch in the theater. Okay, so let's talk about some of those technical aspects that, that made it so exciting. We already mentioned Gina Prince-Bythewood, who has been making movies ever since 2000 when she broke onto the scene with her debut feature, Love and Basketball. But the director of photography is of note on this film as well. It's Polly Morgan, who also shot Where the Crawdads Sing this year. So mm-hmm. she's been busy in 2022. And earlier, she was the DP on A Quiet Place Part 2. So some re- some pretty solid movies and and really good camera work in the Quiet Place. Great, part two. great camera work. Um, so let's talk about the direction. You guys already touched on the cinematography or um, the choreography, yeah. a little bit of the battle scenes, but also the shots, the cinematography. Um, what really stood out to y'all? So like kind of thinking back on it as I as the credits were rolling and I was kind of like trying to bask in some of like the shots, I realized that there was there was never really like an audacious like crazy like camera work movement that like really like grabbed my eye. And I think for a film like this, I liked that. I liked that it was kind of like, I was just there kind of witnessing what was going on. It was just kind of that was happening because that happened. And, and then it added a little bit more to kind of like, like I said before that instant Hollywood classic epic film, it reminded me, I mean, for, for obviously a lot of reasons, but like of gladiator gladiator was just kind of like, almost like where are we putting the tripod? Where are we where are we putting the dolly uh, tracks? Yeah, that's why it's a throwback, man. It, it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and so I felt like just this awesome, like I'm there witnessing this with the people that are are in it. So I really enjoyed that kind of like the, um, for lack of a better way, I kind of always say it like the storybook. Like you like when you're looking at the page, you get the whole page, and it's not really focusing on on one specific thing. Um, stunts, unbelievable awesome in this i mean lashana lynch i doubt she had a stunt double viola davis i'm sure they did but i mean like they are doing so much work in this and one thing i'd love too is beyond kind of like our three main uh, female leads all the other female actresses in in the tribe that are part of this this warrior clan are all martial artists they're all stunt people and they so they're giving them acting and screen time, which is always cool to see. And I mean, I'm, I've been following one of them for a while, uh, Shayna West. And like, I immediately like recognized her when she like had her moment of her doing like her cool stunts. And I think that was another cool thing is everyone got screen time. Everyone did something cool. There was a cool move. There was a cool trick. There was a good scene. Like I love that scene of Lashana Lynch and the, and the male soldier with the spear and of just who can falter first. Mm -hmm. And then like the, how everyone gets so hype afterwards. Like that there's just, the, the small things of choreography and then the grander schemes of choreography. Like the movie just felt so real. It was 
fantastic. I think that was the big thing, like between the cinematography and the whole technical part, it just felt like I, like I said, I was there. It was real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of to piggyback off that, like location, 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 like we are not in a, a room full of blue screens, mm-hmm. right? We are outside, we are running around. Uh, I don't know where they shot it, but they are, they are outside. They are, they built these sets. They, they built this kingdom that, that you get to spend time in. And just, just the realness of, of, of being on location, the colors, being able to like really just, uh, punctuate the, the culture, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I, again, that you, you don't see a lot on screen. You don't see historical epic drama action movies, about the African nation. You don't. And like, this is just the, this one sweeps you away. It sweeps you away. Kind of, kind of to that too, just brought me up of like thinking of the wardrobe. Like this, was, yeah. this wasn't like a, you know, we're going to have muted dark colors to represent, you know, different kinds of stuff, like vibrant tribal patterns and colors. And like, you can see that there was so much, um, like real world inspiration. Like they did their research and this is like what it looked like. And it's just absolutely beautiful. It's utterly gorgeous. We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. First historical epic I think we've had in a long time, yeah. too, right? It's been a minute. At least something that's, you know, to this standpoint, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we already talked a little bit about the actors involved in this project. So let's talk about how their performance translated from the script into the characters and, yeah, some of those performances that you guys really enjoyed. I mean, I've already mentioned Lashana Lynch. I mean, we're gonna probably. She t- was my favorite. Yeah, she was fantastic. She was um, fantastic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, totally mispronounce the name, but I mean, we're gonna talk at ends about Viola Davis. But the girl that played uh, Nawi, the basically our main character, mm, Thuza yeah. Mbedu. I don't know how to say her last name. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, but uh, everyone, everyone across the board, killed it. Maybe not the two European guys. They were maybe, Santo. Yeah. So that was that was the only thing. The guy who played Malik. Yeah. That was the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. Did not did not even we, really need to be in. Yeah. That the was, film. I think that was like at the end of the day, that was kind of like my own gripe where it just took away time to like kind of focus on other things. I understand why it was in there because you need to make it like a movie and not just kind of like a historical snapshot. But at the end of the day, everyone was fantastic. I mean, I absolutely loved everyone. I I was honestly, I think I was most blown away by John Boyega. He, he was no- good. knocked it out of the park as King Gezu. And I am so excited that he has like two other big movies coming out in 2023. And the guy, that, that guy has been busy. And he, and it's like he, I, everyone that was in this movie, if they're not already like a qualified established name, they are now. And this, this is going to be like their, you know, their, their street cred ticket of like, no, I mean, I got the woman king on my, on my resume. I'm good. Sheila, Sheila at Tim, I, I thought was also really mm-hmm. well. Uh, she was kind of like the second in command right, of Viola yeah, yeah. Davis's 
um, she did a character. Lot. Her facial expressions. Yeah. She had such good chemistry with Viola Davis. I really loved their their yeah. banter. But yeah, Viola. Okay, I, I was wondering this the whole time, and I haven't still haven't looked it out. How old is Viola? Because she is a beast. Like she is kicks ass in this movie. Yeah, I mean she's been she's been in our lives for quite a while, longer than right? we um realize, I think. And she does have that uncanny ability to kind of either play above her age or play down to it. All right, give me give me guesses. I just looked it up. What do you guys think? I'll say fifty two. Fifty two. After this watching this movie, I want to say like forty six? Fifty seven. Wow. Wow. She she's, kicks ass. She's man. not slowing down. She like she did some stuff in this that I was like, my eyes were as wide as they could possibly go. My jaw was to the floor. She is a bad ass <laughs> motherfucker in this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, and and major kudos to her, of course, because this is Viola Davis in big font above the title. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, this is the type of a list treatment that someone like her deserves, and it's so cool. Yeah, to see it in a genre film. Yeah. yeah, she will definitely be getting uh, Oscar recognition. Well, that leads well. me into kind there of our wrap up here. Yeah. So any last thoughts? I haven't really heard. We haven't talked about the music or the score yet. How do you think that? That, that is one I want to sit down and listen because I was really excited. Um, like the the song My Power that they used for the promotion, I thought was like was perfect for the promotion of this. And you can tell that, you know, they were obviously used, you know, African rhythm to to tell to help tell the story. And so the music worked really in tandem to kind of like immerse you in where you were. I have yet to go back and like sit down and listen to the soundtrack. I'm really excited on the second viewing to kind of perk my ears up a little bit and focus more on that. Yeah. Another thing like I really noticed throughout this film is like just the adrenaline I was getting mm-hmm. uh, throughout like the atmosphere is just that's probably like, thanks in part to the editing yeah it gets you it gets you so hyped and I think the music has something to do with that too but but again I think I'm, I was so locked in yeah. that I was hearing the music but wasn't really like nothing was like oh this is an awesome track but I was just I was just letting it flow you know letting it you know flow through me um, <laughs> but I, I'm serious because like is some of the like before they're like going to battle, they get themselves hyped, and like I, I was like, dude, th- throw me a fucking spear, let's go, yeah. run through a brick wall, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so but then let's let's do some predictions right now. Um, it feels like, as we've touched on before, one of those return to form historical epics that typically the Oscar loves to nominate for the fine print awards. So do we see costume? And obviously there's no stunts, but yeah, potentially effects. I, I, th- I think so. Especially like production design, production design, production sure. design, set design, costume design. I, th- I think this movie will make just, a pair styling. Yeah. I think, I think this will get nom- nominations across the board. I can't think of a category that isn't deserving of at least a nomination. I don't B- know. The big eight as well. Yeah, you're saying? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think this was, this will be kind of one of the big talks of, mm. of this next year's Oscars just because of the graduate situation, but also because everything is done so effectively. I, 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 th- I think we'll see supporting actor for Boyega. I think we'll see supporting actress for, um, uh, the girl who played Naui. I think we'll see best actress for Viola. I think we will see writing. Maria Bello was one of the screenwriters for this. Hmm. Crazy. From Co- Coyote Ugly? Yeah. I did not catch that. Yeah, she she did the story and then her the other uh, girl, I'm blanking on her name, the, did the screenplay and story. So Maria Bello was just kind of behind the idea, I guess. Um, but I, th- I think we will see... Uh, 
like in there, and that's the thing is because a lot of these have expanded categories now. I think that that's obviously why in the hype. But at the same time, on the, like the the unfortunate thing is the Oscars haven't always been great at representation and recognition of people of color and mm-hmm. in in the film industry. And this is a cast and crew that is in borderline almost entirely people of color. So mm-hmm. I I will it, it'll be and, and women, which is great, and women, yeah, too. Which I think it's a huge moment to like. If they don't give this the recognition it deserves, it will be like a huge outcry. Yeah, I, I, you I, blew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, again. I don't. I I don't see how that they can't give this the recognition it deserves. I think I think we're gonna see something big on this. And then I'm I'm already like, I'm looking at like I'm just the fact that like I got Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere All at Once and Viola Davis in The Woman King. Like, I'm sorry, everyone else. Like. That, those are the top two for me right now in like the best actress. I, I hear Mia Goth and uh, Pearl might be uh, oh, coming, wow. coming oh, up the train here. She's got a monologue, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that one eight minute monologue's worthy enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think Viola will definitely be nominated. Um, and you know what? It would be an awesome opportunity or an, an awesome uh, achievement to have uh, the the director be nominated as well. Uh, a- along with it being, it'll definitely be up for best film. Oh yeah, um, with uh, yeah, uh, wow, but okay, yeah, I, I, I do think strong it's, predictions. I, th- I think it's go- I think it's going to play well, play yeah. well at the yeah. academy. Very cool. All right, so we'll, we're going to take a quick break and tell you guys about the Tacoma Film Festival. This episode is presented in partnership with the TFF. The seventeenth rendition of the Tacoma Film Festival will be taking place from October sixth. That is very soon. And run through October 13th at the Grand Cinema in beautiful Tacoma, Washington. Filmmakers from across the United States and around the world will be showcasing feature-length narrative films and documentaries at this renowned festival, plus a wide array of short films, including more documentaries, comedies, and late-night specials, plus shorts that are all Pacific Northwest-inspired. Passes are available now and selling fast. So enjoy top-tier all-access entry to every festival screening and special event, which includes cast and crew Q&As, community forums, virtual films, plus maybe even a live podcast or two from uh, yours truly. For more information on past pricing, head over to TacomaFilmFestival.com or visit the Grand Cinema Box Office located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington. All right, before we sign off for the week, we wanted to recap the Gig Harbor Film Festival, which took place in lovely Gig Harbor, Washington this past weekend. Max and I were fortunate enough to have VIP access to the festival and special events, and we are so grateful for the accessibility that was provided to us to mix and mingle with some extremely talented filmmakers from all over the map. So Max, before we get into the films from this year's event, let's talk a little bit about the town of Gig Harbor and the people behind this festival and their ability to throw what has evolved into quite the spectacle. Where where, where was this? <laughs> Gig Harbor, Gig Harbor, Gig, Gig Harbor. Harbor. Uh, Gig but no, Harbor, shout Gig out Harbor. to the Galaxy Uptown Theater for yep. hosting the event, Absolutely. first of all. Um, one of the biggest things I think that filmmakers of this festival get to experience is their movie on... A huge screen. A huge screen. A huge screen. Uh, and yeah, yeah, very cool that that it's at that theater. You know, that I, I hold that theater very near and dear to my heart. And uh, again, like not only a big screen, but like great attendance. You know, I, I was only able to go one day. Uh, Alex, I, I believe you were there all weekend. Um, but the you know the 
the block of films that I got to see on 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 Friday, like it was a the theater was packed, and that that was really really cool to see and and uh, super impressive films as well. I mean, but the people put on a great a great party. You know, they've got like a VIP filmmaker area at the theater that you can hang out at. We got to go to this filmmakers meet and greet party uh, in gig like downtown Gig Harbor, which was beautiful. Um, yeah, just a really fun time and cool to chop it up with, uh, other movie, movie heads. And it's really fun to, you know, lean on sort of this, it's funny to think that the Gig Harbor, um, Chamber of Commerce and the city in general has this like board of tourism agenda, but really this has become like a destination film festival for a lot of these different filmmakers, there's host families and shout out to all the host families mm-hmm. that put up out of town filmmakers. There's um, an incredible shuttle service that is provided yeah. for festival attendees. Shout out to John driving us around in the yeah. navigator. Um, you know, for, for not only the filmmakers, but the attendees themselves for the VIPs. Um, if you shell out and buy those passes, which for next year's event, which we'll talk about here at the end, highly recommend that you do because – Yes, not only is it all access to every film that's shown, but these VIP events and the dinners and just the ability to to mix and mingle, like what we're saying, it's pretty invaluable, actually. You know, we met a lot of people who we hope to bring on the podcast here to talk about future projects. You know, that's something that people always love to mention is that this isn't, you know, the movie that they're representing isn't always the the whole meal you know there's mm-hmm. there's usually something at the end that they're plugging that's in production or that's going to be playing at festivals in the upcoming year so that that part was really cool all right so quickly just um to talk about some of the films highlight a few projects that we really enjoyed and that we advise you go check out um we're gonna we're gonna do some mentions here the first one let's just get it out of the way our our chatter network brethren Derek schneider his film a dinner party from hell completed its two-year festival run the interesting thing about this past year's Gig Harbor Film Festival is that the movies that showed this past weekend were the entries from the 2021-2022 year. However, the pandemic halted the GHFF for two years, and so that's why he was able to show his movie again here, but a film that we all really, really like. And um, we happen to be recording on location at the set facts. of a dinner party from hell. <laughs> Big that's facts. Very true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but once again, I know Derek had never seen uh, his movie on this big a screen. And so that was, that was, yeah, really it fun. was gr- great to see. Uh, so cool. lo- love hearing the laughs uh, come throughout the film. Uh, that's always really encouraging. And I dug, yeah, well done, Derek. I dug through my emails of years ago, like what, two, <laughs> two years ago when he sent me like, oh, the like, YouTube screener, like the, like the mm-hmm. YouTube screener of it. Yeah. And I was like, well, since I can't be there, I got to rewatch this thing. <laughs> and it still worked, huh? It's, it's still, yeah, it still, still holds up. I mean, that's, it's a fun, it's a fun, fun short. That's really good. Um, and yeah, you're right, Max, because seeing it in a big crowd like this on, on night two, actually, a few different, um, spots played well to laughs it hadn't before oh, and so really? yeah just seeing it with a fresh crowd nice. a different crowd yeah. obviously every demographic at every festival is going to be different the, uh, the chef the always show. plays man the chef always plays <laughs> the chef, the chef always, plays. always plays um but okay let's let's talk about a few other projects that maybe we weren't so involved in by partial towards <laughs> um what you got one max uh i really loved uh, a work of art mm, talk about uh, it yeah. which uh was in the the shorts volume two uh it was uh, written and directed 
uh, co-directed by the two lead actors. Uh, but uh, one of the gals, like I'm blanking on her name, uh, who wrote it because she wrote it based on her own uh, life experiences, and it's it's a story about you know a young gal who you know has been dealt a, a bad hand in life and is thinking about uh, taking her own life. And, and just kind of working through that. And she lives with her uncle. Uh, I thought it was really well acted. I thought it was really well shot. Um, uh, some of the underwater sequences were amazing. Like some of the best underwater shooting I've ever seen. I, I At first I thought they were like doing it like in a hot tub. But like I, 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 have, I still have no idea how they shot that. Um, and uh, yeah, super, super impressive. Uh, and and really touched uh, some heartstrings. A, a lot of these shorts I'm going to mention. I, I was a I was a blubbering mess through the the shorts. <laughs> whether I was you know laughing and crying or I was just crying, uh, I was it was a really really impressive block. Um, well, speaking of water, the first one that I want to talk about is called Stand Up, and this was a narrative documentary done by Vester Media Group, the same people who did 700 Feet Down, which also played at this the at, um, the Gig Harbor Film Festival, but that we were able to see last year at the Tacoma Film Festival, which is all about the history behind the Narrows Bridge and the subsequent collapse and what now lives under the bridge, which is this artificial reef of sorts where Pacific Northwest marine wildlife has really been able to thrive. But this film that played um, – at the Gig Harbor Film Festival this year, Stand Up, which will actually also be at the Tacoma Film Festival here next week, and I highly recommend everybody checking it out, is this incredible story of two female stand-up paddleboarders who are the only women out of, I believe it was 48 stand-up paddleboarders and like 400 small craft racers who embark on this this leg, this race, but from Commencement Bay here in downtown Tacoma all the way up to Port Angeles. And oh, it's called wow. it's called like the the forty seventy two, I believe, because it's forty miles, forty nautical miles, and you have to make that trip in seventy two hours Holy over a weekend. Wow. And they're like so, paddling at night? And you can go all night if you choose. You know, you yeah. can you can obviously throw in the white towel at any time as well. Um, boats are available for medical support, but like the documentary crew, not allowed to assist in any way. You're not allowed to get any sort of assistance from, you know, outside help, you know, depending on like, sure you can, you can dock and you can take time off and maybe go on land and order a pizza and have it delivered, get some Uber eats or go to a store or something like that. But that, that eats into your 72 hours. So you really have to think about, um, you know, how you want to allocate your time, but this was just incredible. Um, I don't want to spoil whether or not they, they make it or not or what happens. Um, but a big part of this film is raising awareness for domestic violence and sexual assault. And so that was really impactful and a major part of the story because awareness certainly was raised and will continue to be raised by people seeing this film and seeking it out. But just some of the shots, I mean, the story is phenomenal in and itself, but the drone footage that was captured of these two women out in the open sound um, from above, just phenomenal. There's, there's really good GoPro shots too um, from these mounts that are on the front of the paddle boards. So really cool stuff all the way around. The two women are very charismatic as well. And so their interview scenes are pretty, they're, they're intense. They're charming. 
they're endearing. Um, so Stand Up is another film that I highly recommend checking out. I know that 700 Feet Down, after it played the festivals last year, got put on to like the Roku TV app and um, Voodoo. Not quite Tubi, but Voodoo. <laughs> we're Voodoo. almost there. We're almost there. Um, and, and, you know, Amazon Prime and things like that. So hopefully stand-up becomes widely available. But if you're in the area and you can check it out at the Tacoma Film Festival next week, I highly advise that. Uh, my next one is, a, again, another short, How to End a Conversation. Um, I, I, again, a blubbering mess. I think I, as as the lights came up, I turned to Alex and was just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, it's about a heartbroken man uh, and dealing with with his broken heart. And uh, you think it's going one way. It's got some it's got some laughs in it, too. It's got some comedy in it. I thought the, the guy who plays his therapist, uh, a really, plus stuff, really funny stuff. Um, uh, but then it, it takes a, you know, there's there's a turn and, and then you're just you're you're screwed. Um, so it, it is really, really good. I was really, really impressed really love that movie um next one i'll talk about and there were actually i should mention that there were quite a few washington state premiere events mm. at, at this festival so that was really cool shout out to the um festival director and the people who put it on for securing some of these films um but freedom's path played really well mm. at the festival this year people um we're talking about this movie all weekend long did that end up winning the the best of the fest. I don't want to spoil who won anything. I think people should go online and and look up and see who okay. won or not because yeah. then that that should encourage people. I don't want to you know set expectations or goals too high because I was looking at the list of winners and sure I, I liked I liked what I saw okay you know okay. but I, I don't cool. want anything to have because that's one of the best things about going to these film yeah. festivals right it's just going in and not having any expectations True. True. and then you're you're impressed by everything yeah right. Um, but freedom's path played really well and it's a unique story, uh, about a soldier in this friendship that he creates with a runaway slave. And I mean, this is full length feature documentary stuff here, um, that I, I'm sure is played in film festivals across the country. So I, another thing too, a lot of these movies are, um, loggable on letterboxd. You can punch them in. And I was trying to mention Letterbox as much as I could this weekend. Where cool. It was just like, um, you know, and I don't know if we'll get to all of these short films, but the shorts especially were cool to see on Letterbox. Like um, a work of art is available oh, really? to log. And well, I, I was just like, it, yeah, log, get the awareness out here. <laughs> Some people were like, you know, I don't really, I don't log the short films. And I'm like, you got to get a, you get those numbers up, baby. Let's go. Um, but so, yeah, I, I highly recommend Freedom's Path. I'll have to look to see if this one's playing at the uh, Tacoma Film Festival. But I know that there there is quite a bit of crossover from the Gig Harbor Film Festival and the Tacoma Film Festival this year. So hopefully people are able to check that out. Uh, another short I want to shout out um, was Rideshare. Uh, this was a Washington State premiere uh, it's a film shot completely from like the angle of a Uber or like from, from the front of an Uber, uh, or rideshare. Yeah. Like a dash cam, but reverse it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just about two friends who constantly get, uh, uh, who share rides together, uh, over like a expanded amount of time. And again, like some great laughs, some tears, some, you know, really, really uh, heartfelt stuff going on. I think you would find this movie extremely inspiring, Grant. Okay. The, yeah. the, this yeah. is the kind of movie that not only like narratively, I think we can all relate to a little bit, but also just like 
yeah, how they're able to stay inside of a vehicle the entire time, but switch up the angles. Mm -hmm. And and Max, we hadn't talked about this, but did you notice this was really funny? I thought how in the back of each of these different, um, you know, rideshare cars, there was something going on. Like either the person had it piled up with like stuffed animals. They were way too dirty to be actual rideshares. I think (laughs) like these cars, these cars would not pass inspection. Yeah. I don't know about that, but, but it did give each car like a unique look. And so it made you feel like, Oh, we're in a different car now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I just thought it was really creative to, to like do a, kind of like lock, right? Yeah. You're, You're in a car the whole time, but it's different rides. Um, and it's two people instead of one. It, it, yeah. Uh, really fun film. The last one I'll shout out here is a short film that I caught twice, um, over the weekend and that I really, really enjoy. It's called feeling through and my apologies to the filmmakers. I, I was so awestruck and just kind of paralyzed by this film that the first time I saw it, I forgot to even clap when the credits rolled. Um, because this this movie, to be honest, in the year 2022, is just one of the best things I've seen. It, it was incredible. Um, it's a story of a of a young man who we are led to assume is experiencing homelessness. It starts out by him, and and I really like how they had the text pop up on the screen. I thought that that was done pretty tastefully. Sometimes that can be annoying, yeah. um, but I thought it was done pretty tastefully in this film, and. Throughout this night of him sort of hanging out with some friends, trying to put out some feelers to see if he can couch surf with with some people, he comes across a gentleman who is blind and deaf and is requiring requiring assistance. And he takes it upon himself to, you know, in his mind, maybe potentially help out for five minutes and that'll be good enough. But then he quickly learns that this man is going to need a lot more help to get to where he needs to go. And he becomes completely selfless and puts his needs, which are quite high on hold for the time being to assist this gentleman. And there's a brief conflict of morals uh, in the middle of the film where this guy who you're really starting to root for does something quite questionable. And then at the end of the film that comes back around full circle. And so you're really left you're really left feeling good at mm. the end of this. I mean, this is a hard-hitting short film um, that is really talking about some interesting stuff when it comes to homelessness and our perception of people with disabilities. Um, but by the end of it, you, you are inspired. And I think that the title was perfect. I think that the casting was extremely well done. And for what I assume is was probably New York. It looked like New York. It could That's have been. What I assumed. As yeah, well, but yeah. but it could have been any big city. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that happens in this movie is happening everywhere. So highly recommend that. Yeah. Feeling through. Feeling through. That's all I got. That's all you got. Yeah. All right. So next year, check out our film then, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what we'll be talking about. Um, <laughs> Cogs are turning. Well, and I'll just mention this. If, if you're like us and you're kind of sitting and stewing on something or you're an inspiring filmmaker out there, the 2023 Gig Harbor Film Festival is already scheduled for September 21st through the 24th. So whether you plan on attending or plan on submitting, circle that weekend um, and the great thing about the Gig Harbor Film Festival is that their submission window runs for a very long time. The 2023 Fest is already, depending on when you're listening to this, I should say, um, but is already accepting 
applications and yeah. submissions of films for next year. Because as I mentioned earlier, this past year's slate was all movies from the year prior. Right. So they're really looking for it. And Max, you and I talking to some of the festival directors, mm-hmm. shout out to Chris and Peter. Um, they're looking to curate a couple of new blocks um, of, of late night shorts of different films this year to, to um, step up the weird, we'll say, <laughs> and, and increase, increase the unfamiliar a little bit this year, uh, this upcoming year. So that'll be a lot of fun. If, uh, if that sounds at all interesting to you, or if you want to check out this, this past year's complete block of films and winners, you can follow the Gig Harbor Film Festival on Instagram at Gig Harbor Film. You can search Gig Harbor Film Festival on Facebook or simply visit them at gigharborfilm.org. But in the meantime, of course, follow the three of us on Letterboxd to keep track of what we're watching between episodes. Go grab your passes. The last time we're going to be able to say to the Tacoma Film Festival, either online or at the Grand Cinema box office. And until next time, we will see you at the movies. Hey, and remember, we're on the Chatter Network. Cherish your chatter. And as always, drink movies and watch beer. 